You are listening to episode one of the Copyright and Intellectual Property Podcast. I'm Jason Tucker, and I've settled over a billion dollars in copyright claims for the world's largest studios. Over the last 15 years as the expert pirate hunter, IP problem solver, and enforcer, I have helped shape copyright law, the processes, and the landscape that exists today. So how do you keep your IP organized, protect it from pirates, and make even more money off of your content? With real-life insight and stories from the trenches, this is the Copyright and Intellectual Property Podcast. Welcome to the very first episode of the Copyright and Intellectual Property Podcast. In this intro episode, you're going to hear a lot about my husband, Jason Tucker, who is a pirate hunter, and he is the best at what he does. There are attorneys out there. He's not an attorney. I'm not an attorney. There are attorneys out there that will tell you they know what they're doing. However, I don't think that many attorneys have had as many been involved as in many lawsuits and or strategies and or have settled as much money for their clients as my husband has. He is freaking brilliant. When I talk to people, I explain him like the wolf from Pulp Fiction. If you guys have seen that movie, the wolf goes in and cleans stuff up. To the best of my knowledge, you've never cleaned up any dead bodies in the back of any cars. Not that we're going to talk about in a podcast. Not in this podcast, maybe <laughs> another one. However, when it comes to anything related to structuring deals, however, especially around intellectual property, copyrights, trademarks, that type of thing. He's a freaking genius. And for three years now, I've been trying to get him to do a podcast and do a course because he's been the best kept secret in his industry. His clients have definitely been very lucky, but I feel like you guys need to hear these stories and know what's possible for you too. So without any further ado, my husband, the copyright intellectual property management and enforcement genius guru expert, Jason Tucker. Thank you. That's one hell of an intro. <laughs> this has been a passion of mine for over 15 years. And and what I've been seeing, is, like all industries, they, they evolve. And now we're at a very interesting time where everybody is a content producer, whether you think you're small or you're just starting out or you've been doing it for years and you got a lot of stuff out there, the internet is really not a safe place. We think it is. It's a highly dangerous road. And unless you do things to protect yourself, put systems in place to build what you're really building, which is your intellectual property portfolio in the form of videos, in the form of trademarks, in the form of patents, you're not going to get all the benefits that come with that. And so We'll get into a little bit about what that looks like, but I just want everyone that's listening to know that as a content producer, you are building an intellectual property portfolio. What does that mean? It means that your content has value beyond what you probably realize from your current monetization piece. And then additionally to that, if somebody takes it and uses it, there are things that you can do to recoup the loss um, and more importantly, just have it taken down. But there are initial steps that you need to take, like registering your copyrights, registering your trademarks. And these are things that most people don't think about. They can do it themselves. And so for a lot of time, I see attorneys, and this is no no disrespect to attorneys. I, I have them. I work with them. I respect them. I, I, I consult for them. But there are good and bad, like any other industry. And, and I see a lot of attorneys trying to overcomplicate, which I, what I think is a rather simple process. So let's. So wait, 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 let's just back up. Sure. How many cases have you been involved in in the last 15 years? Over 500. Okay. And, and, how... and we settled a lot more than that. Those are actually like probably filed cases around the world. Yeah. Not all your cases good to. No, because we be settled filing. because we settle them. We go, we try and negotiate to the best of our ability and we use the legal system as a last ditch effort when we can't negotiate with somebody. So let's let our listener know why they should care. 
like what's in it for them? How much money? Because ultimately that's what everybody cares. How much money would you say that you've settled? In 15 years? Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, I mean, we've settled over a billion dollars in claims. It's a big number, over a billion. So how, like the average attorney that we meet that specializes, I'm using well, the air quotes, how many cases would you say they do in a year? Nothing like this. I mean, I th there are law firms that I've consulted. It was a law firm a few months back, and I was sitting in a room with 12, 13 attorneys for a two and a half hour meeting that they were paying me to look at things. And collectively, the, the 13 attorneys that were in the room didn't even reach three figures on, on how many lawsuits they had been involved in. So I don't gauge it as much as, I mean, I don't, I see the number and for me, it's just stuff I've done. So I don't see it as, wow, that's a huge number. But what it's given me as a result of all of those experiences is a strategic advantage because I can see the ball moving before the pitch is thrown. And I can, I know exactly where it's going to hit. And then if it doesn't hit and it bounces somewhere else, I already know what to do when it bounces. How Does did that make you get sense? involved in this? Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to some of that later. But like, how did you tell us your backstory? Well, you know, I, I know they don't know. I know. I'm sorry. I get stuck in a rabbit hole sometimes. So I, I co-owned the world's largest erotic library of images in the very early days of the internet. And we had in excess of 3 million images. We were supplying 50% of all the photos that you saw in men's magazines in the United States and about 20% uh, for the rest of the world. So we had a very large fingerprint with our library all over the planet. In comes the internet, this cool new tech toy. And I was consulting for companies at the time, but what happened was is people started scanning our images and then selling them on the internet. And then they were scanning mag right out of the magazines. And then when we started licensing them for digital use, somebody would just acquire, they would find them or whatever the case may be, piece them together however they did that. And then they would start selling them or offering them for sale in a membership section of a website for $39.95 or $29.95, whatever it was. And so what I saw was, is our stuff viraling at a high rate of speed to the point that I could go to Google and by set number, on their image search, I was able to find our images. And it wasn't just in one place. It wasn't in, it was in thousands of places and then eventually hundreds of thousands of places really quick. And I knew that if I didn't do something, our business was going to be dead. We were going to be, because we couldn't, you can't compete with something like that. So I could go to Google and just go to their image search. And by set number, I could find set after set after set, not just a hundred places or a thousand places or 10,000 places, but eventually hundreds of thousands of places. So I knew that we had a fire. And when you have a fire, you have to grab a hose and figure something out. So I started calling around to attorneys that I knew. Wait, you were pissed off. I was extremely pissed off because to me, I was losing a tremendous amount of money and we were going to be dead unless somebody did something. So I went to an attorney, got some advice. That was useless advice. Went to the next attorney and that got even they got pretty much the same useless advice because nobody knew. What was the advice? The advice was, well, you could send these notices. So nowadays you can email the MCA notices. Back then you couldn't. They, I, or at least I was told that you needed to send them by certified mail. Well, certified mail costs money. It's, it's, it's expensive. We had snail mail back then. So we would put these notices together. We would send them off with a rece signed receipt required. And so in the course of the next six to 12 months, I spent about $250,000 and I realized I'd spent a quarter of a million dollars and didn't have any return on my money. That is a waste because now not only am I losing money from these pirates, but now I'm paying for them to hurt me even more. So I realized that 
I needed to come up with systems or something that could be done differently. And none of this from a logical standpoint, from a legal standpoint, this made perfect sense to attorneys. From a logical standpoint, from a business standpoint, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, this was dumb, just plain and simple. So a lot of late nights, a lot of late nights, screaming at my laptop, going through all those emotions. So as a result of that alone, I get very passionate, if you haven't heard it already, about theft because I feel it, because I've experienced it, and I relive it every time I'm with a client and we're going through this process. So if you hear me get elevated and you hear me get calmed down, that's not bullshit. It's real. This, these people piss me off, but that doesn't mean that I can't work with them. It doesn't mean that I can't negotiate with them. It doesn't mean that I can stop them. But I also don't have a problem flipping them over and like a fly, pulling their legs off one by one if that's what is required. So... Okay. So now we're potentially into bodies, but we won't talk about that. All right. So getting back to what I was saying. So as a result of that, I came up with systems that I just wanted to try out in the legal system. And, and the unique thing about intellectual property law is it's very organic. It only takes one case to change the rules. It only takes one situation to shift the wheelhouse. And so fortunately, I've been able to put these systems into play and then make them work in court to help facilitate moving the law so that now everyone at least has somewhat of an equal playing field. So the systems that we have in place, we've been utilizing for 15 years. And so what happened was is initially I became this pariah that was out because my thing was like, let's sue everybody and work backwards because we didn't have any other recourse. So we did that. And then I became this pariah of, oh, he's just, he's litigious. He wants to sue everybody. No, really. I just wanted it to stop. And anyone who wouldn't talk to me was getting a lawsuit. So, well, it was the only way to handle it. No, I remember when we first met, you told me that lawsuits were part of business. It, I was like, wait, what? A lot <laughs> of people don't understand that? that there's psychology around that. It's a tool to achieve what you want. You're using the legal system. A lot of people are trained to believe, however those that shows up for them, that the legals, if they're involved in a lawsuit, they've done something wrong. Well, that's not true. If the other side is doing you wrong and they are not willing to converse about it, you may not have any other choice but to use the legal system. And there are ways to do that so that you can profit from it. So again, going back to, to what I, and that's a very good point. So that's what we did. And then flash forward just a little bit of time, this started happening to other content producers. This ha started happening in the adult space. This started happening in the mainstream space. This started happening in the music business. And when people started doing their homework about what could we do, they were running across cases I was involved in. And specifically, they were involved in cases where I was, our company was the plaintiff. So my phone started ringing and people started saying, what do you think about this? And what can you do about that? And I realized I was giving away a lot of free advice um, and it was taking a lot of time away. So I said, well, you know what? Why don't you just hire me as a consultant? And I quoted what I thought was an extreme price at the time. And they said, we'll call you back. And 30 minutes later, I had my first client. And I stopped. And, and it didn't hit me at that point that I might have been on to something until the second phone call came. And I said, you know what? I'm going to charge a little bit more. And then they said yes. And then I realized there was something there. And that was, yeah, it was about 15 years ago and many, many cases less. And so now, yeah, so that answers your question. I mean, that's that's the that's the long and short of why we're here now. And I think the, the cool, so here it is. I want to take all of that. We want to take all of that and offer that up because there's, I can work with a library that's registered. I can work with a registered trademark. And the reason I say registered versus not registered, let's just use video, photos, online courses, however the elements of that course are, a book, whatever it is that you're producing. You own the copyright the second you turn it into a tangible good. 
So whether that's a physical product or a downloadable product, whatever it is, now it's considered tangible. It is now officially been published according to, let's say, the US, in this case, the U.S. Copyright Office. But if you don't register that copyright, ranging from $35 to $85 per registration, depending on if you're grouping or not and how that works, within the first 90 days of publication or before it's published, then you are not entitled to statutory damages in court. So let's translate that into English. Short and sweet of it, you register 10 of your works, somebody steals 10 of your works, they can be held liable for up to $150,000 per registration. So using that example, $1.5 million. And here's the important piece. You're entitled to recoup your attorney's fees when you win, if you win. Because most cases, this is the other part, most cases don't end up at trial, they end up settling. So the person that wouldn't talk to you and people go, why talk to pirates? Because it's cheaper and it's easier. Well, and they're really good at traffic. They're really they're good at phenomenal at marketing. So I have two lumps of clients and, and some of them are like, I don't want to do business with pirates. That's They're not advertising to my audience. Let me dispel that rumor right now. You don't know who your audience is if they're making money. Because if they're able to sell, and the, the chances are they're able to get better placement than you are in the long run. Second of all, they're obviously getting traffic and, and, and they're making money off of it. And how do I know this? Because they're using your content. So feel good about the fact that they're using your content because that means that there is value in your content because they don't do things for free. Even if you may think it is, it's not. There's a monetary piece somewhere in that business model for them at your expense. So when you come from that place and you realize that, you can go, okay, well, why don't I reach out to them and see if there's something we can work out where they can become an affiliate of mine. And people go, I don't want to be in business with pirates. That's fine. We have a solution for that too. And, and the solution for that is one of three situations. You're never going to put them completely out of business. And some people may not like this next sentence, but you know what? You're going to get it straight from me. So tough. Put them onto somebody that you're not working with. So if, if we have a studio that we're working with and, and that content's being slaughtered, the first conversation I'm going to have with the pirate is this needs to stop. And if you're going to continue doing it, go with another studio. So immediately I've, I've benefited my client. There's created a benefit to my client. I've shifted them to someone else. And some, some people may be going right now. How can you do that? You're making the problem worse. No, I'm shifting the fire because it's, it's a fire. So, uh, that's, that's one piece. The other piece to that is that you need to figure out what it is you want to do. And there's a lot of, we can get into that at a later date, but, but you can, you can shut, you can try and shut their website down. You can eventually, here's what it comes down to. No matter what the dispute, here's the solution. If you want traffic, ask for traffic. If you want some dollars, ask for some dollars. If you want the site to go away, that's going to cost a little bit more, but just realize that if that site goes away, they're probably just going to create another one. So the sooner you can get emotionally into partnership with whatever that experience is from that model that you need to create with, with a pirate, the, the easier this, this all is. And this is coming from somebody who gets extremely emotional. So we're just going to go ahead and wrap this up right now. That's a little bit of information about what you can expect from this podcast going forward. Jason has... I haven't gotten into crazy stories yet. Yeah, no, he's got crazy <laughs> stories that involve the porn industry, the mob, people in Hollywood, people in the music industry. Like, there's some pretty crazy stories. And honestly, I would like him to share them with you because he tells them to me all the time. So why not record <laughs> this and get you guys involved too? There's going to be some, like, what's going on right now podcasts because there are times when something's happening in law or... Something's going on in the media that's really important to what's going on 
with your business around content. So Jason will be jumping on. And instead of just telling me, he's going to actually be sharing it with all of you guys so that information can be valuable and useful. And there's also going to be some how-tos in here. The best way to get in touch with us, because you definitely want to be in touch with us, is go back to our website, and that is intellectualpropertyhq.com. So the H and Q as in headquarters, Intellectual Property HQ. And we have a whatever lead magnet that we have up there right now. As we get going, it's going to be more uh, precise. But right now, I think I, we have like a get a lead magnet. We have a or get a, something, sign up for our course when we get that going. We also have a DMCA takedown notice template if you have some stuff going on right now that you need. There's also a ton of blog information, content information. So if you're in a place where you're hurting, you know people are stealing your content, you're not sure what to do, then you can find that information there as well. Even if people aren't stealing your stuff, you should at least know this because again, I go back to the same place, which is you are building a valuable portfolio that will outlast you. So you need to take steps as early as possible to make sure that there is the maximum value, even if you never do anything legally. And you can look at the music industry as a model for that. Yeah, why don't we talk about that? Because a lot of people think that their stuff's already copywritten. Like, Well, it is copywritten. They're just not entitled to all the benefits, uh, the statute. So here's, okay, so the, the difference between a registered and a not registered. So I create a song and I don't register it and I just put it out and somebody takes it. In order to bring an action, I need to register it, but if it's after the 90 days of first publication, so let's say it's month four uh, and somebody takes it and then I go to register it, I'm only entitled to actual damages. So that's my actual quantifiable loss on that. Well, if I've only sold it three times, what's the value? In a courtroom, to you, it's worth a lot of money. When you're utilizing the legal system or looking at it from a negotiation standpoint, even if you say to the other side, look, you're taking it down and you're going to pay me. Otherwise, they know what that threshold is. And chances are, and you're not entitled to legal fees. So for you to, to throw a blanket threat, and we don't do that. If we say we're going to sue somebody, we, we, we deliver. We don't, we don't make the threats, but a lot of people do because they don't know. And so here's what you're actually telegraphing when you say you're going to do that. If somebody says to me, Let's take the other side. Let's say somebody somebody called me up recently. Should I tell the story? Sure. Okay. Completely disconnected. Not a client. A friend called me up up in Oregon, works for a company, and they inadvertently used an image that they did not pay for. And so this was on a flyer that they used for an event. Uh, I'm not going to say who or what. And they used it and then they, they took it down because it was just for a flyer. But in that process, they ended up getting a, a letter from... Uh, an attorney who was representing that the image was owned by Agency Free Press, which is the which is similar to Getty Images. So they're just as aggressive. They can be just as aggressive as Getty. So they they sent this letter, and the letter said, "If you don't pay us, it, it was in excess of ten thousand dollars. I don't remember the specific amount. I just remember seeing that and laughing out loud. Uh, that it was in excess of ten thousand dollars for this single use. That they were going to take legal action. So he said, "What do we do?" I said, well, let me take a, let me take a whack at it and see what we can do. So what I did was is initially I, I took a look at the image. I found, I traced it back and we'll get into how to do that, but I traced it back to who actually took the image and the person that took the image didn't have any connections on their web presence to agency free press or this attorney in Oregon. So then I went and looked up the attorney in, 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 in uh, no, he was in a different, I looked up the attorney. This attorney had not filed any lawsuits in that state. So it tells me, so what is that telegraphing to somebody like me? It says, one, this person's throwing blind threats. And two, 
I'm not even sure if they've got the rights to do what they've been doing. And I'm not even sure if this thing's registered. So I sent an email to the assistant for this attorney. And I said, I'm working with with somebody who received this letter. I'm a little confused because we're doing our homework to present a settlement amount to you. Is this registered? And the assistant gave me a gift. She said, I'll get back to you. And she, she sends an email back and she says, she says, at this time, it is not registered. So what did that tell me? The best you can do is your actual damages. It's a single image. So we are not dealing at 10,000 in my mind anymore because it's, you're never going to get that money back. He's not going to sue because it's going to cost in excess of $50,000 if he wants to really play that game. Not that right out of the gate it costs that, but if we're going to drag it on, we're going to make sure it's, it sticks. So there's no legal reason to file because there's no recoupment on that unless you're trying to prove a point. And not a lot of people want to spend that kind of money to prove a point. Because that's, that just doesn't work. So what, what it finally came down to is I said, we took the image down. Thank you. If you want to take any action, best of luck to you. And essentially, Merry Christmas. Now, it was a little more eloquent than that. But to be blunt, what I was saying was, is go fuck yourself. And while you're at it, I don't even think you have the rights to this. Well, it turns out, and this is the kicker. It turns out that I, I then reached out to the photographer and I said, are you affiliated with Agency Fress? And did you know about this? The photographer responds back and tells me, no, what are you talking about? So it turns out that Agency Free Press, it looks like, and I don't even think they know about this. Somebody is out there utilizing their name, taking images, at least this is what it looks like in my opinion, and going after people to try and collect. So again, I'm not saying this is Agency Free Press, but somebody's doing it with their name. And they're doing it with images they don't even own. So that to me is like a scam and it's it's going on. And so I'm now down a rabbit hole, but this is the kind of stuff that goes on. This is the kind of stuff we run into. And this is the kind of stuff that you're going to get from this podcast. So if you want more information about this, make sure that you subscribe on whatever podcast player you listen to. If you're on iTunes, leave us a review because that's going to help more people find us. And we'll talk to you next time. Our goal is to have this out weekly. And And if you have any questions, you can um, hit us up on our Facebook group, which I think is Intellectual Property HQ Community, or just go back to intellectualpropertyhq.com and the link to the Facebook group is there. So we will talk to you soon. Jason Tucker is not an attorney. All the information shared on this free podcast is his opinion and not legal advice. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. See you next time.